Us, the podcast where we create fantastical worlds with help from you, our listeners. My name is Rob Hilferty. I'm here with my friends and co-hosts, Daniel Quinn and Chris Prunty. On today's episode, we continue our first Patreon episode from listener Gluax Speed as we talk all about big, bad ritual magic. Uh, oh man, uh, I'm so excited to get back into the series because we had some real fucking spicy ideas. So gentlemen, let's go ahead and start right back into it with our twist, which was the big bad isn't really the big bad. So how did we take this twist, gentlemen? What do you think? Did we establish who really the big bad was or who we even thought the big bad? Like we had these these groups that were trying to take people's emotions. I guess that is objectively bad. I think oh. the way that we kind of approached it was we had the creator of or the discoverer air quotes mm-hmm. of magic as being kind of a bad guy. But again, I think the big bad in this scenario in general is magic itself. You know? Yeah, like there was some discussion about um, his powers coming from a dark place that's kind of like, remember how we talked about, I think it was, um, uh, what movie is it that's not us, the other one, um, very first one that he did. Um, oh, you're you're talking about... Um, Get Out. Get yeah. Out, correct. Like, remember the, the dark place that he gets sent to? We were talking about, like, there's some unconscious, like, collective unconscious dark place that the power comes from within. So that's right. kind of like a big bad, but it's not really a, a being in the same sense. And I had this idea, and actually, I'm I'm gonna get I'm just gonna jump straight into my concept because I wanted there I wanted the twist to kind of be around it, and the idea is that the place, the anchor that we created, right? It was where the original hole in the universe was found, you know, mm-hmm. scientifically, of course. But the thing is, the the portal never really closed. And this idea that magic essentially is an infection is what I kind of wanted to go with. So where originally we could have argued that, you know, the scientist who discovered magic was the big bad all along. I actually like the idea that magic itself is a big bad. And then it's there's a viral aspect to it as well. I like I like that. Um, I wonder how we would square it with um the idea that the, cause I, I think we had this concept that the magic too was a philosophy that was discovered or like, um, kind of like an evil Descartes sort of thing. So it would be neat if like the, like, to your point of it being infectious, like it's an infectious concept too, so that maybe it infected the original discoverer and that's part of what spread it. Yeah. I, I think that, uh, way back when we were doing land of a thousand gods, we had this idea of like memetic, memetic atheism. Yes. Yeah. You know, like, like a mind parasite. Essentially. I like, that. I like that idea. But in this case, it's maybe, maybe there's something about the magic that makes people want to become practitioners of magic mm-hmm. and use this kind of, uh, magic, despite the fact that it's very clearly not good. So oh. there's an addictive quality to using magic that's there. You know, it's it's essentially like substance abuse in a lot of ways, but it, it it's more like a um, a philosophy more than it is an actual substance. Yeah, I mean, you could even look at it as the fact that uh, looking at someone's negative emotions or strong emotions, you get like the feeling of uh, what is it, a uh, Strongfeud or chagrin. Or Are you talking about Schadenfreude? Schadenfreude? Yeah, that's that's where you have. Uh, it's basically like the Superman complex, where you enjoy watching people suffer while you yourself are immune to pain. Wow, that uh, that's darker than I originally saw it. But uh, 
Cu- a couple of couple of past relationships popping up in your brain, Chris, or you shut the fuck up. <laughs> How's your dad, by the way? Oh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> My father loves me. I, I um <laughs> unrelated. <laughs> I also remember us talking about um that the discovery was a revelation that was horrific and like um destroyed kind of former systems of thinking. Um, and I think we floated the idea of like, you know, something like, oh, being doesn't exist or some crazy, like philosophical discovery that was like the door that opened this, not this chaos of evil from that void. Um, so, so I wonder too, is it like the cult, um, other than the, the sorcerer children that are born from the mothers is part of the cult's conversion process, revealing the secret to you that kind of breaks something in your mind. And that's the infection of the idea. See, I, I like the idea that. Um, you know, to kind of go back with the theme of whispers and like magic whispering to people, mm-hmm. I like the idea that magic is secretive, but it's also like it, it draws in academics and those who are like highly intelligent, you know, yeah. like only those who seek it out can find it. And then by the time they find it, they're so willing to give everything up for it. You know, like mm-hmm. that's where that kind of like uh, that siren call comes from, right? Where the this cult kind of it's it's a way to call the weak before you can even enter the cult, right? And that's kind of mm-hmm. cool in that it, it harkens back to stuff like Scientology where they have like levels of knowledge. And so you kind of mm-hmm. you get the the, inquisi- the inquisitive academic type in, they learn a little bit here and there, and then you slowly reveal, you know, the horror to them over time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Are you clear right now? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, man, let's let's not try and be SPs about this, all right? Oh, yeah. Don't be but, a suppressive. Oh, yeah. that's, that's, that's what an SP is, a suppressive person, exactly. Daniel. Oh, uh, yeah. by the way, Daniel, when you were first describing the calamity and the big bad evil and mm-hmm. saying discovery, I thought you were literally talking about the show for a moment. And <laughs> Well, I mean, it's also a horror a horror show, it, too. It, like, it, it's it was on brand for you that I was just like, oh, that's a bit of a stretch, but, like, man, you really hate that show. <laughs> I mean, I do. Like, honestly, discovery is a, it's an abomination of, of creative art. It's oh really a twisted Speaking of abominations, <laughs> let, let's get back on track here to talk about our setting. Look, we, we have all year, all of our lives, really, to shit-talk Star Trek, all right? We can do this some other time. Not enough I don't time. know which is worse, though. I think I think Picard is worse, though, honestly. <laughs> because it ruins a character already existing who you love? No, it's, yeah. just, it's just, like, actually worse. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but, right. but wait, did you have a good segue? Because I actually had a, a nice segue from when you were talking about uh, getting the academics and everything. Yeah, segue, then. Yes, you do, or yes. Get on your Segway and then like turn it on and, and roll down the street on it. Chris, Segway. <laughs> For if you have a good Segway, use do. the Segway. We should use this as the Segway because it's pretty good. I hate you. Uh, <laughs> I'm keeping in the stuff about Discovery, but I need Chris <laughs> yeah. to make the fucking Segway so we can move on to the next point. Doing it. You should just keep if it. You would him. stop talking. I do it. <laughs> Daniel, just go ahead and segue. No, oh my God. no, he's laughing. Well, so I'm waiting Chris, for Chris got on the Segway and he turned it on and then, you know, he showed up and he had it on and everything. Face planted. Yeah, exactly. No, I was waiting for silence. I didn't want to interrupt anyone. But uh, you were talking Chris, about- Chris, go ahead and segue. You oh, son God of a bitch. It. I fucking hate you. <laughs> you were- you, <sighs> <laughs> I, I, Chris, don't I do don't know this. why you're taking so long here, man. Come on, just 
you were talking about how ac- academics are naturally drawn to the magic, like a siren's call and everything. The faction that I had in mind was actually going to be a bunch of uh, academics, kind of like the Watchers and Buffy or anything. Uh, they are healers that try and look after the people who have been damaged by magic, like the ones who have had their memories taken, their lives shaken. Uh, and I wanted it to be the uh, therapeutic order of Dawn or something, uh, kind of like a play on the Golden Dawn, but uh, I wanted them to be like therapists that went around to help the people that have been harmed. But when mm-hmm. you were talking about this kind of uh, mimetic property of how it corrupts, and how it's a siren call, I believe some of them would like to be like, oh no, I'm doing good. I, I I have become a magic practitioner, but I'm taking the bad memories from people to to help them. And I wanted that kind of like uh I am a hero, but no, I'm I where the power comes from isn't worth it because they're not essentially healing the people, they're just erasing the memories, and that's not really helping. See, I actually had a similar concept that toyed with this idea where you could essentially go to, um, you know, asylums, right, and find what ails people and then essentially remove the memory as long as you find the spell that corresponds. And I had a similar idea where, like, they're essentially white mages, right, where they're trying to heal people you through using magic. But, uh, yeah, I, I kind of had a similar uh, vibe or, or concept where it's like, hey, why why wouldn't there be someone who's like a therapist who's like, hey, I've figured out this way to remove trauma or to remove you know this part, but they're actually manipulating people into using that type of magic, you know, or or rather using that trauma as a as a fuel source under the guise that they're healing people. Yeah, it's the way that they live with themselves. They're like, no, I'm I've helped thousands of people. It's just like, yeah, you may have taken that taken that traumatic memory of their childhood, but you also took all of the memories of their abusive father. And yeah, you could argue that that's good, but it's still tampering with people. Yeah. Yeah. It's still tamper. It's manipulative in a different way. In effect, you're gaslighting their entire life. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) the gaslighter. Realistically though, I, I can imagine this type of magic being used as a sort of lobotomy right? Where it's like, how bad are these people and how bad is this behavior? What's worse, right? Would you rather have a relatively normal, bland life? Or would you rather have like a, a horrible life that is, oh. you know, so so there's that like moral quandary, right? Where I, now we can look back on it and be like, oh, holy shit, we were monstrous. Wait, But I feel like we're talking about like the 1930s, 1950s at most, right? Why not yeah. have that same moral quandary? Because this is a new field and you can be Mm -hmm. like, oh, no, we're helping people. But I was just thinking, what if you, rather than the order, uh, therapeutic order or anything, Angels of Mercy. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I do like them being, I do like the concept of them technically being like rogue therapists. Like they're therapists who believe in a sense that they're um, undoing this harm. But really what they might be doing is introducing other kinds of harm by like, you know, clipping people's memories. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And now it's Scientologists against therapists. Yeah, it's like it's like well, it, that's exactly what Scientologists hate, don't they? They hate, hate organized <laughs> oh, medicine. That's true, actually. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would actually argue that it's more specifically like lobotomists, right? Yes. Because that's more what you're doing. Um, 
but, but I do like I do like the idea that they could actually be hypnotists too. Like maybe that's yeah. the extremist thing that they do is lobotomize. But remember, even going back to that movie, um, um, uh, what the hell's the name of the movie? I keep forgetting it. Not us. The first one. Get out. Yeah, going back to Get Out, you had that really scary hypnotherapist who like could implant thoughts in you. You know, maybe they're plucking them out in this way. That's what yeah, and I would imagine that. I would imagine that like having a whole order of like therapists would also be able to recognize, you know, oh, this person has had their memory tampered with by another magic user. Mm -hmm. So they would also be able to find other magic users. So that's another way that you could justify them being good. It's like, oh, this person's been harmed by this spell. Now it's time to go hunt down the magic user who caused the harm. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. And what if the punishment for those magic users is also using them as a battery? Oh. Yeah. Because they're kind like, of, no, uh, this is their punishment. We're going to drain them of all of their essence. That's kind of what my faction's about. Yay. What a great <laughs> segue, Daniel. I mean, I, along those lines, what I was thinking of is, is a, a faction of more vengeful sorcerer hunters. Um, they're not dealing with the, 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 the dregs are the results of, of what the, the sorcerers have been doing to people, extracting them. They're, they're, they're dealing with the patients or the victims. They're actually going after the sorcerers themselves, grabbing them and forcefully deconverting them. And then in the process of deconverting them, taking the memories that they've carried along with them or stolen and putting them into those charms so they can use them as weapons to fight more sorcerers. Um, and as a group, like they're probably opposed to Western thinking and scientific thinking. So they're probably about holistic medicine and probably about like magical thinking um you know in the in the not in the the fantasy sense of magical thinking and like you know a, a anti-logic sense um and i i picture them as kind of being like almost like the orphanage of like the x-men in that they it's a haven for these sorcerers who maybe they when they first come there it's against their will but they're they're trying to like um detox them from the cult but at the same time train them to fight against the cult um and use them you know as weapons themselves I, I know that we had this idea that magic comes from when your mother dies and you like you you become like a uh Oh, because the mother gets attached, right? Right, right. Yeah. So so I like to think that we're thinking about these cults as specifically creating rituals so more magic users exist. Mm-hmm. I would also like to throw in, you know, kind of going off your concept here when you when when I hear Xavier School for the Gifted, yes. right? Uh-huh. Throw in a little chaos and be like, it also just so happens to be random sometimes. So oh, you the could, you know, I'm sorry, what the ability. Right. So, so Matt, like your mother dies in childbirth. No one knows why she was perfectly healthy. Oh. And then you hear her whispers throughout your lifetime. Yeah, right. And you have, but you're like, I don't know what magic is. I just mm-hmm. hear these whispers. And then it also can kind of go back to that siren call aspect where, yeah. you know, if you're uninitiated with magic, you're, you're automatically drawn to it just because of the whispers you've heard your whole life. Right. I, oh, what what if what if it's not what if they're not taking the emotions out of these sorcerers or the people they're trying to um, save? They're trying to extract the mother um, consciousness into the into charms and use that. Oh, that's way more fucked up, and I like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, absolutely. So, so these are like the mage hunters who are specifically going after magic users, mm-hmm. and they're not the person and the emotions. That's whatever you know, right. like. You can scrape their psychic residue off of those people, but yeah. what's more interesting to them is can the we use the magic source, which is you know the, the spirit of the mother, more yeah. directly? Yeah. Xavier's like got all these orbs of moms. That's basically where he gets his power from. 
Oh my I, God. I, that, I, that's that's sorry, so, Chris, much guilt. so much guilt. So much guilt. I also picture uh, them tr- looking at like uh, schizophrenics and everything and trying to find mm. people who hear voices and they're like, this person doesn't even know that they have a fucking magic ability. Yeah, you're right. We need to get yeah. them in here. There's no risk, all reward. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Yeah, they can probably operate as a as a um, psychiatry ward that is pretends to be a real psychiatry, but really there's organization. Yes. Yeah, I mean that that goes that goes pretty well with both of the factions that we've created so far. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As for my faction, uh, it has nothing to do with any of that, actually. And uh, uh, eagle eagle eared listeners will already know what I'm going to talk about with my faction because I really wanted to talk about this concept of the maiden mother crone, which is like, uh, it's like essentially a pagan or neo-pagan belief in the, the goddess, right? Like capital G goddess. And there's this idea that women go through the maiden mother and crone phase, and they all have different phases of the moon associated with them. And they also have different, um, essentially magical powers based around, you know, what, what, what phase you're in. So with the maiden, it's all about enchantment and beauty and stuff like that. With the mother, there's fertility magic. And then with uh, the crone, it often has to do with like death or wisdom and the end of things essentially. So it's this cool little, you know, neo-pagan idea. And I actually kind of wanted to retcon a little bit of our previous story because I thought it would be really cool uh, if we, you know, so when we had the birth of magic, right, we had the wife and the husband and the betrayal and everything like that. I had this concept that there were, when she gave birth, there were in fact twins, right? Ooh. And one of them, you know, and one of the children was kidnapped by this cult of the maiden mother crone mm-hmm. and the other stayed with the father. And that's where that cult kind of grew up. And so there's this duality and because, you know, in, in a lot of religions and in a lot of um, cults, especially there is often a fracture point you can see, right? Where there's a religious yeah. schism and one half of the cult goes this way, the other goes this way. And here there's a natural breaking point is who do you believe is the Messiah mm-hmm. essentially. And with the maiden mother crone, they stole the the female child. And with the father, he kept the, the male child, right? Mm-hmm. So now you have these two major cults in conflict with one another, the maiden mother, because, you know, now you have the the battle of the sexes, which is also baked into that kind of uh, maiden mother crone uh, mythology where he is essentially the horned God, right? And they are the good guys. And so that's the faction that I wanted to introduce everything into is that, you know, they're as, you know, as much as, the scientist father is like a weird Keith Raniere cultist. Yes. You know, you have the opposite where it's the, there's a a matriarchal society on the other hand that are secretly fighting against one another. It's almost as if in the, if we're going with the Nexium parallel, if um, the, the DOS group was actually independent of him and actually working against him, which wasn't the case, but if it were. And, and with less master slave relationships. Yes. <laughs> yes and branding right. of vaginas. <laughs> also, also that. Yeah. I wanted I mean, to avoid that. Maybe I'm they, sorry, maybe they brand their own vaginas. <laughs> what, what about branding vaginas? 
Oh, you got to watch the Nexium cult documentary, man. You, you do. Um, wow. I, yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, Danny, one of the things that I kind of wanted to uh, bring up was in this idea, like you already have the types of magic that are baked in. Mm-hmm. And I, I was thinking about the idea of birth magic or fertility Ooh. magic. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, that's kind of that that's the type of magic that is subtle enough and like low magic enough where I love the idea. Mm-hmm. And so now the other, the other kind of concept that I had around it was the, this society, the maiden mother crone, they can basically cast rituals to ensure that when women give birth, they're all triple or they're all triplets. Oh boy. Oh. That's a, it's kind of a form of selective breeding or eugenics is what they're performing through magic. Not necessarily because I don't think that they're breeding the best. Mm-hmm. Actually there Maybe could be are. this thing. <laughs> Well, well, no, it could be a matter of you're just breeding what their society needs, right? Where mm-hmm. each each mother who gives birth is breeding triplets and they each have their position as maiden, mother, or crone, right? Where the crones are essentially the people who run the day-to-day and they are uh, midwives and they pass on and they take care of the maidens. And the maidens are essentially the ones who are warriors and then the mothers are obviously the mothers who are sacrificed essentially right you also fix the population problem with a lot of cults that uh would either cause death with birth or with the fact that they don't believe in procreation usually they had to adopt or look out Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. if you have it where every time for one person that you get you get three children out of it that kind of helps yeah. And I mean, like the magic that's involved, I mean, like, why, why not? You know, it sounds a bit silly, but religious cults will do this, you know, like if they can manipulate the number to a number that they believe to be lucky or powerful, then why wouldn't they, you know? Yeah. Can we make this even weirder? Of course. Um, since it is Lovecraftian. Um, what if the this particular faction of the cult has figured out how to not require men to breed? Oh God, that's even creepier now. Um, <laughs> because now I'm just thinking of like Rosemary's baby where they're essentially like impregnated by extra planar entities. And yeah. that's just, you're, you're, you're literally becoming a mother of nightmares at that mm-hmm. point. Yep. No man required. So, okay. Yeah. That, I mean, that's even worse, but, but what kind of extra planar entity are we talking about here? I don't want to do like a, um, you know, like a fish person type deal. I don't think they need like a a mate. That's the idea. Like the mating is among themselves. Like they don't need an extra planner being to do this. When they come of a certain age, they just get pregnant. Yeah. Like that's fucked up, but they they inspire an idea, you know, into themselves. It's, it's actually, that's a really cool concept. Like there's this spontaneous biogenesis. Yeah. But it's, but it's, uh, what's the word? It's sculpted or it's essentially yeah. like, I hate to say groomed, but that's basically what we're talking about. Here, yeah. It's right? like psychically shaped by their, um, I guess, collective like intelligence. Oh man. That's, oh, that's actually pretty cool and horrifying. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. It's the miracle of childbirth. And it's funny that we, that the horror in this comes with women being self-sufficient. Like, what does that say? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. <laughs> I, I don't know what internalized misogyny is, Daniel. Do you? <laughs> but there we go. <laughs> I mean, that's the movie Alien, uh, you know. Yeah. 
Well, I, I think on a more psychological level, it's more like being made obsolete, right? Right, like that's, exactly. That's yeah. the horror. More than more than self-sufficiency, it's like... Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, what's great about it is many ways to read it. Like, that's what makes it interesting. You know, like, you can read yeah. it as this, like, deeply misogynistic impulse, but you could also read it as, like you're saying, like, the abandonment of, like, biological impulses that we should have normally, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's a good way to dodge the bullet. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> uh, no, in, in all seriousness, I do, I do very much appreciate that concept. I think that's really cool. We all came up with all these shadowy uh, groups that aren't really public or they like to be on the fringe. None of them are really going out, all out and being like, hey, magic exists. We're doing this. So for my conflict... I want to do uh, the first occult war. And I want it to be where these groups kind of discovered each other, uh, began talking, and then for whatever reason, well, for clear reasons of uh, different respects and how they view magic, it kind of broke down into a uh, kind of shadow war of where they're fighting for resources because if they're looking for people who can have these children, if they're looking for individuals that have this ability, or if they can innate just birth three of them at once, uh, people are going to try and kidnap them or take them. And I wanted the conflict to be a either ongoing, which is interesting, or we could have some sort of armistice or treaty that's been signed where they're like, hey, we're not going to fuck with each other. We're just going to hammer down any new groups forming. That's interesting. So so I had the idea of a shadow war kind of going on as well, but I like the idea of an armistice more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I thought it would be interesting because how long does this war go on before people are just like, we need to to stop. I want to stop being afraid every time I see something. Can we just agree that out of the four of us out of the like five or four of us that exist if one of us breaks rank we all just dogpile on that guy mm-hmm. i mean it makes me think of um uh, i mean i don't know anything about vampire the masquerade specifically but i know that there's like vampires ruling the world there are factions involved so i imagine they have some kind of like balance between them that mm-hmm. keeps them all from taking over so that's similar to what you're thinking of yeah they all agree that the masquerade has to be kept and if you, and the one of the highest crimes you can well, yeah, one of the higher crimes is uh, breaking the masquerade. In which case, yeah. they're like, "All right, we need to kill you because you're <laughs> a threat to all of us." Right. Yeah, and and I like the idea of like a cold war situation, essentially, right? Where it's like, look, the last time this happened, and actually, this might even be able to spiral into my conflict pretty well mm-hmm. um, because. I can probably link it and saying, hey, the last time this happened, the government became aware of who we are and what we oh, do. That's great. And that's actually my conflict is that mm-hmm. there is a government agency that has discovered the idea of magic. And while they don't have any magic users themselves yet because they don't understand the ritual behind it, they do when they do clear out like witches' dens and stuff like that they do find charms that they are analyzing and understanding. So when mm-hmm. field agents go out there, they have the charms that Chris was talking about last episode, but they don't have magic users yet. Right. Although they they're are trying to figure it out. 
Of course, of course. So I think if we take that concept, you know, where there, the last time there was the grand occult war, Mm -hmm. there was also their discovery. So, and their near destruction. So maybe the government getting involved also caused a great culling, you know, like a second Mm -hmm. witch burning, you know, a second, uh, you know, crucible event type deal. No, I think that's great. Like it, it, what it does is it, you know, it, it makes it possible if you're thinking of like, this is a TTRPG and there's characters, it makes it possible now for you to be like a FBI investigator who doesn't really know what's going on, but you have some leads. You could be, you know, a, a woman from within this the mother cult that, you know, is trying to further their ends. You could be one of the brainwashed people inside the father's original um, cult. Like they're all kind of working against each other, but also in synchrony in some cases. Okay, I'm going to go even more gonzo with it mm-hmm. because I was like, I was just struck with, well, our, our twist was the big bad isn't who you think it is. And I'm going to go and just go straight. I'm going to go balls deep with it and say, it's not just the US government. It's the one world government. It's the Illuminati. Oh. So, so at the same time that magic users are discovering, you know, like, that the Illuminati exists, the mm-hmm. Illuminati now discover that magic exists. Oh, that's great. Now you can have like, um, you know, Brazilian Nazis, you know, potentially you could have yes. all kinds of crazy characters. <laughs> and, and now like we can talk about like financial manipulation and, you know, ultra science and we can add that fucking, oh man. Yeah. Okay. Now we can throw in like conspira- conspiratorial thought into it as well. Mm-hmm. And that's even more fun. But where do the greys come in? <laughs> right. That's probably one of the mysteries that they think maybe behind the magic source because they don't really know. Understand. Listen, we may not know, but the tall whites are actually mages. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Um, we're we're, we're going to roll past that reference. Uh, also, what about the lizard men? Like, that's yeah, the other thing that people. we need. To, yeah, yeah, we need to talk about, you know, global warming and how that's a conspiracy. No, that's just mm-hmm. a... See, they're called lizard men because they have so little emotion. And well, no, I'm saying that they're terraforming the earth through global climate change so they can then invade us, you know, because it's too cold for them right now. Well, they, they used to live. How did it go in the Nazi movie with the lizard people? Didn't they like live in the earth or something? You are going to have to narrow that down. <laughs> the, the one on Netflix, there's like two of them. There's a T-Rex at some I, point. It's I believe incredible. you're referring to Iron Skies. Yes, I am. Yep, yep. okay. The masterpiece. Yeah. Yes, the coming race. The coming race. Okay. The power so of So I don't want to get too <laughs> ridiculous with this, although... I feel like you can certainly spike it in that direction, you know, mm-hmm. if you wanted to go super crazy with it. But I, I think that just the idea of like a one world government being, you know, enemies to magic users mm-hmm. and in general, I think that can work, you know? Yeah, I mean, it, it makes it such that if you were a character and you're playing like an actual government agent for the United States, you'd start to realize that the people that the, your government actually works for are not good. So now you have to make decision like, okay, do I keep doing my job or do I actually reach out to these cults and figure out, are they actually bad? You know, that's actually pretty interesting. Like there, now there's like some mechanics, you know, or like now there's like intertwining, interlocking gears of, you know, although we then of course get into the idea that there is going to be a magic user who eventually defects. That was part of my concept too. Okay. So, um, that was my conflict, Daniel. What's your conflict? 
It wasn't my conflict. It was it had to do with the twist. But um, my conflict actually piggybacks perfectly on what you're talking about with this with the, with the government now being involved. Because I was trying to think back to Nexium, and one of the central themes in the the cult show, The Vow, is like you have a bunch of ex cult people who are actively trying to take down the entire cult. Like they're working together secretly to expose it right so i don't think we have that group just yet so as a conflict i was thinking you know maybe you have this rebel faction that might be composed of you know an fbi agent who they've gotten on their side and a reporter you know um a mother cult character who's left that cult because they realize that it's rotten and one from the original cult that they've realized that you know their leaders kevin ranieri and he's crazy and now they're all working together and like okay well how do we stop this you know and so they have they're beset on all sides by people who want to stop them and they don't have a lot of power, but they do have each other. So that would be like the conflict is them against the world, essentially. Like, yeah. There's so, oh, I, I, I love that. I really, I do love, I do love like all of the intertwining interlocking gears that we're getting into mm-hmm. now. That's so fucking fun. I mean, it's definitely like, it goes back to my favorite sci-fi TV show of all time is X-Files and that that's the feeling you have Scully and Mulder you know, it's them against the world and they can't trust anyone. It's the, the motto of the show. And this setting seems to suggest that, especially since it's modern um, in that you can have people from different parts, different un- untrustworthy corners who you have no choice but to work with them because otherwise, you know, you'll be destroyed completely by the greater forces that are against you. Hmm. The smoking man. Exactly. Or like Deep Throat mm. or um, all of the Mr. X, I think it was, all those characters who... You have to work I, with them. I don't know how to fit this in, but I really want the Bohemian Grove to be a ritual <laughs> that's trying to close the portal to magic every year. <laughs> uh, I can I respect can, that. Yeah. yeah. Can work in all the conspiracy theories. Yeah. D- didn't know how to shoehorn that in there, but I was just like, I can't get it out of my head. Yeah. Is but my real question is the is the moon actually holographic? That's really my question. <laughs> Um, <laughs> if you have to ask, then you're already too much of a sheep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, man, I'm just asking questions here. All right. I'm just asking questions. Well, well, Daniel, you said you had something else that kind of pivoted into magic. What were you going to say as well? Um, it had more to do with our twist, like one of the takes on the twist. And when you mentioned like a sorcerer who um, has betrayed the cult, um, like the simple idea I had was the the twist. So I was trying to take that on a smaller scale where, you know, in this interpretation of it is like part of the big bad are these sorcerers who do these terrible things. Right. So maybe you have a sorcerer who is the protagonist in, in this take of this of the story um, grappling with his powers, who's like trying to um on like trying to work against it. So maybe this is one of the characters who is part of the conflict that I was talking about. Maybe the main one that everyone else has grouped around. And, you know, he still has to deal with the fact that he needs to, you know, extract other people's emotions to essentially continue to function and to use his power and to survive against the people who are out to get him. But he realizes like that that's problematic and that um, maybe, you know, the cult of the mother actually is more of a threat than the original cult, you know, and that has to be stopped. Mm. So you could have the twist be a shift in the threat levels and priority in that sense. And I would imagine that's probably, you can do that in almost any direction, right? Like you, you can do that as you could have like some all American football type man who, you know, his, his mom just so happened to die during childbirth, Mm -hmm. but he's also like a soldier boy. And then eventually he gets wrapped into this, you know, yeah. kind of 
dark web of magic. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, there, there's so many different stories that you can tell in this type of situation. I fucking I mean, love it, man. You could take the you could take the flip flip side of that, right? So instead of the all American, um, you know, uh, football kid, you could have like the crunchy uh, lesbian tween who grew up with a really holistic medicine mother, but you find out that oh, my mother's actually part of the cult, and I'm one of three you know, three other kids. I don't know my other siblings because there are different compounds. <sighs> And like, holy fuck, you know, like, I've got to figure this out now. And now you have like, you meet like the the detective who's been fired from the agency because he looked into too much stuff, but she ends up being friends with him. And you end up with like the um, punky kid who turns out to be another sorcerer from the other cult and they end up being a group, you know. I I feel like this is absolutely a Call of Cthulhu type game that you can run. Like 100%. Yeah. Well, a modern um, Call of Cthulhu. I've always seen it as like 1930s, but now I'm picturing mm-hmm. a bunch of like hacker punk kids going up against Cthulhu. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, like when we say modern day, I imagine that we mean like anything within the last hundred years, essentially. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 I'm my thinking was I went back again to the setting and I was thinking, okay, modern setting, what stands out to me as a fun thing to put in that setting in terms of magic. Um, so a couple of thoughts came to mind, um, urban fantasy and noir. Um, so you could spin the setting uh, to be that, you know, you, you're picturing the sorcerer as investigator. Um, so again, it can go back to the group of putting together like-minded people, but here, if it's a, if it's a noir um, take on it, then the investigator is using his powers to um, uncover the mystery. And um, the more that they have to use their powers, and the closer they get to the mystery, um, the more in danger they put themselves because of the nature of the way the powers work. Um, you know, you can have like, you know, visits to the morgue, you can have um, investigations of crack dens, you could have um, breaking into uh, asylums, like, you know, all those fun um, investigator kind of um you know, solo adventures where you only have like one or two people you can trust. Um, and it's got that thick um, veneer of, of uh, you know, the noir, the noir kind of veneer of the, the night, the endless night and yeah. that whole, uh, you know, dark um, attempt at morality. Well, I mean, that's also give a uh, shout out to friend of the show, Seth Skorkowski mm-hmm. and his uh, urban fantasy series, Damerin. That is, I mean, that, that sounds like a segue for something like that, where, you know, the main character in the first book has been taught to be a monster hunter his whole life by one guy, only to later realize that that guy left a massive uh, organization of like-minded monster hunters, right? right? So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. So what what specifically are we talking about when it comes to the magic? Because to me, that sounds more like, you know, you're talking about like individual adventures at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so the way that magic could play, because it's supposed to be this haunting thing that is a whisper in your mind. And I think on, in most noir stories, the detective um, has a lot of hangups and, and they're either like a blank slate that that is emotionally flat or in more modern versions of it, they have a lot of issues like psychological issues. So the, the the way the magic plays out wouldn't be in a mechanical sense, but more in like a thematic sense in that mm-hmm. whatever trauma he grew up with, he carries with him and that voice is in his head. And really, we know that it's like a fragment of the mother, but the way it manifests in the story is it's like the things that haunt him. And the more he uses his powers, the more he has to rely on that voice. And that's where it becomes dangerous for him. Fascinating. Cool. 
or she, either whatever gender you they. want. To this is they. why I say they. They exactly. is just so yeah. much easier. Either yeah. one. Mm-hmm. Nope. All my detectives. There, I'm kind of like I'm kind of like defaulting to he only because the noir detectives just have a, a history of being you know grizzled, emotionless men. But it'd be great to see like a uh, very emotionally in touch um, you know they character, which could work. What's uh what is what is um the new Q's name? R- uh Ramona Diaz is that Oh yeah, yeah. Cuz that cuz that that's where my brain ev- immediately mm-hmm. goes to is like the new question, you know, who is That would be fun. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I thought you meant Star Trek Q. I am No. Why would I ever bring up Star Trek? That's Q? why I was surprised. Also, I didn't know that there was a female Q now. But I have uh, I mean question. It, it's, question, yeah. not Q. I, that was my mistake. Well, I mean, it's, it would be really neat, too, if you played with gender in that sense, because we're dealing with cults that have a tied their very identity to, um, you know, not gender, but to sex. And so if you have a character mm-hmm. who walks a gray line, you know, there with their, with their identity, you have a more interesting story. Yeah, I mean, especially if, you know, like when you talk about the trans experience in a cult mm-hmm. that is, you know, full of mothers. Right. Or, or something like that. They can oh. self-replicate. I, you know? I just realized something. Yeah. If, What's if, that? We, if we take your cult of mothers and just change it a little bit, we can finally get the Omegaverse tie-in that someone wanted. Oh. No, we're not doing that. We're not. No. <laughs> just, I just... I feel dirty, and I'm sorry. Chris, what's your magic thing? <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to play with uh, places of power uh, in the sense that I believe that there are places that can invoke emotion. And since these things are emotional vampire slash use it as a spell component, emotions that are tied to those kind of places that are felt through the collective uh, consciousness of mankind uh, amplify whatever spell ritual or thing that's going on. Mm-hmm. And that's a really cool idea. Yeah. yeah. And I wanted it to also tie into the conflict that there are certain places that it, that rather than have it be a battle zone, they're just like, no, no one is allowed to touch these areas. Uh, we can only do it if we all agree. And there's like a vote that they're going to use this place for a ritual that will probably benefit them all. Uh, so it's like, a, it's the, it's essentially the same version of like a, a world magic heritage site, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But think of it as there's also places that we ourselves would see as uh, having an emotional connection to certain places like uh, monuments, uh, uh, sites of uh, certain crimes, certain uh, massacres and everything. Like even some place like the molasses flood, uh, every year people say that they smell that that smell of molasses. Yeah. Uh, That could be someone casting a ritual kind of thing. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I like that, like physical sites of emotional resonance, I guess. Um, yeah. And it also brings back the concept of rituals, which um, Rob had wanted to introduce in the beginning. I could also see it as people trying to create those sites. If you if you quickly burn down an entire apartment complex and mm-hmm. 100, 100 to 200 people die, you're like, people will remember this. I'll be able to use this site. Oh, man, that's so evil. You could have like yeah. a really bad sorcerer who does stuff like that. That's actually really brilliant. I I love the idea of, you know, evil plots or or maybe even some cases good plots. Okay, this is going to, I just went super gonzo with that idea. Disney World (gasps) and Disneyland are places that are created by witches to to evoke 
joy and try and scrape up some of that psychic residue for a now. shadow war in the magic World. kingdom yeah. yeah oh my god yeah <laughs> as as evil as you can go with like causing misery remember that not all of these rituals require anger or hate mm-hmm. you know but they require joy and that's hilarious and, and that finally explains the disney gangs yep yeah. <laughs> they're the magical enforcers yeah absolutely i love that that's brilliant Woo. What you All doing right. on our turf cult of the... <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is it? Like Ma- Main Street Maniacs or something like that? Is yeah. that one of them? Uh, that would be one hell of a session to run. It's okay, the setting is Disney World. You're, you guys have taken your vacation there. Oh, and there's a cult uh, uprising. You know. <laughs> have you ever read The Kraken? No. Um, is that a China Meville story? Yes, it is. I have, I, I think I have it on my shelf. I just haven't read it yet. It's good, but it, it it's kind of like someone discovers that there's this occult war that's been happening in London and they never knew about it. Mm-hmm. And the guy just suddenly sees like uh, these chanting uh, Buddhas with uh, assault rifles shooting at these other people who are <laughs> desperately what? praying to a giant octopus kind of thing. I, wow. I very much love that. Yeah. All right, gentlemen, I feel like we've tapped out on our uh, conflicts, magics, and uh, factions. So we now get to go into Plot Hook Corner, where we're going to roll for a genre and see how we can add that flavor to make plot hooks happen in our setting. First up, we have a horror scenario in this world, which I think is very easy to do, but so who wants who wants to start us off there? Hmm. I mean, the setting isn't isn't it already a form of horror, right? But technically, it's like fantasy horror mm. modern day. So mm. you know, what? we're we're trying to inject a little bit more horror more into horror. this particular setting uh, for I, this I ho- think, for this plot hook. And you've got to you've got to lean on the body horror and the. Rep- reproduction horror i think that is a key to it to achieving it well i think if we go lovecraftian and mm-hmm. if you want to stay in that type of idea why wouldn't we go with like a herbert west reanimator thing right where mm-hmm. this magic already seduces academics and scientists so why not have like an independent researcher who has finally listened to the whispers and he's conducting magical experiments on himself. Oh, I was, gonna, I was about to say it should be self-inflicted because like, that yes. usually is pretty horrifying. Absolutely. Like, like event horizon kind of like you're causing or the fly. yourself or the fly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, so what's okay. So, so let's, let's kind of start with that. So this, this scientist is kidnapping people so he can kind of get a better catalog of what re- of ritual magic he can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, so maybe that's where the scenario comes in is you're playing investigators who are unaware of magic or and they're just trying to solve kidnapping cases essentially right mm-hmm. and you know it's it's one of those things where sometimes those ritual ca- those kidnappings come back sometimes they don't and sometimes they're changed and they have to figure out well why are they coming back with memories missing why are they coming back not mm-hmm. knowing who their mother is? You know, stuff like that. Oh, yeah. And yeah, and you, I mean, that you could focus the, the faction in that case of being like people working from the government who secretly they don't realize they're working for something even darker. Um, you could angle it to have a collection of people from different cults because at the end of the day, like the 
scientist isn't from one of those cults, you know? Oh my God. You could, you could also have like a Dr. Mengele type thing going oh on boy. as well. Ooh. Oh, that's awful. Like I just felt kind of grossed out. Yeah. Oh. I don't know why, but I'm thinking of the short story, Cool Air. And I don't. Tell us about it. Uh, it's the Lovecraft uh, story where that guy was trying to keep himself alive. Yeah, it's it's like uh, cryogenics before cryogenics. I know yeah, what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we could do that as uh, we're we're talking about this guy who's been practicing magic and doing it on himself, correct? And and what you're suggesting is that he's essentially trying to find uh, eternal youth, but keeps manipulating himself in like horrible, fucked up ways through experimentation. You don't necessarily have to look at it as uh, super horrific. What if he's just, uh, he has found the cure for immortality. He is immortal, but he has to keep on grafting body parts to himself because they're wearing out over time. Or That could work as well, yeah. If you don't take it the biological angle, maybe he's not grafting body parts, but he's grafting psychologies to himself. You know, like... The the reason why he can cause so much harm is because he's completely psychotic and he keeps his mind alive by like grafting other people's minds to his. Oh fuck yeah, I love that, and it's mm-hmm. also horrifying in many ways. Okay, and he he can call up certain per- per- personalities when he has to get yeah. certain tasks done. Yeah, like what's the what's that movie? Um, Split. It's about, yes, that's what I was thinking of. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, oh I, I know. I'm already in your fucking head, Daniel. <laughs> yep. You. Next, you'll say. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fuck, that's bad. Ne- ne- next, you'll say we're moving on to the next plot hook, which is going to be. All right, how are we tying this into a superhero genre? Oh, son of a bitch. Well, you we already did that. Yeah. How? I-, I made but- up my X-Men. Okay, but now we have to make it more superhero-y. More X-Men-y. You need to go golden age on that. Actually, <laughs> we can, what we can probably do is just say Constantine and then that's pretty much it. Or or actually <laughs> or or actually just go Hellboy and then that would also be Oh yeah, Hellboy well. is great. Yeah. Yeah. Just sprinkle well, some um what's his name on it? Um Mike Mignola? No, I, the art director of it. Um Pan's Labyrinth. Guillermo del Toro. Just sprinkle some del Toro on it and you're good to go. Okay, just to kind of get the fact that I also feel like our Lovecraftian setting needs a little bit more of the existential outer space kind of stuff. Yeah. What if we did a kind of cosmic stuff that's going on in the background that, like, Mm. we've talked about these uh, entities, these godlike things that are people are siphoning power from. What if we made a two parallels things that are kind of fighting in the background and they don't even know that we're part of their war. Like Ooh. each, each one is siphoning off power from them, but in the, they're, they're not even looking at earth as a part of the chessboard. We are a mode of dust that has collected on the rook and they do yeah. not care. Absolutely. Make, make them be like um, prehistoric entities that live in the earth and, the whispers you're hearing are like their residual psychic battle between the two of them to try and suck the life out of the earth, you know, and come back out. See, I'm saying that they're not even in the earth. They are, they are echoes, echoes throughout the universe. Mm -hmm. They are uh, both the light and the dark between the stars. Okay. So the the way that I always love to approach, uh, you know, like the Cthulhu mythos and like the uncaring elder gods is I I can't remember where I heard this, but it's essentially 
imagine that you're in a 1980s movie, right? And you're trying to make sure that the uh, the the rec center stays open, so you have your dance off battle against the rich asshole dad, right? Like that's the story. And what? So those are that's like Nyarlathotep and you know Shubnigarov and stuff like that, right? So that's the story. And then we, the humans, are actually the anthill that's next to the rec center. <laughs> and like sometimes, you know, like we just get uh, like, we, we are so beneath their notice that that's, uh-huh. that's just how the cosmic shit works, right? I mean, in that kind of story, like how do you tell that story? That's the question I would raise. Because um, usually uh, those in Cthulhu, it's told through the eyes of the investigator who... It's, it's mostly through the glimpse into the beyond, Right. And that's where the unspeakable, unknowable horror comes in. Yeah. You could have it that like your uh, Charles Xavier character finally collects so many of these uh, mother-like entities and he becomes in his eyes, a godlike being. And for a brief moment, he can see these two other entities and he has no idea how small he actually was. And it exactly him. That's great. Yeah. All right. Moving on to our final plot hook, which is going to be. How do we make this romantic, gentlemen? God damn oh, it. fuck us. Well, X-Files. That's how I'm telling you. It's the greatest romance ever written. Or, okay, I, I disagree, and here's why. Because we have Twilight. Case. Oh, Twilight. Twilight's garbage, though. Okay. Yeah, that's why we have a chance to make it good. Seeing oh, how we have some yuck. themes, I just want to know, was Oedipus a love story? Oh, god damn you. <laughs> Yes, yes, it was. Chris, it's literally a tragedy. It was, no, but, it's but literally a tragedy. I, I accept your premise. Tell me about moms and, and their uh, No, no, I no, I didn't want to do this. Why do you <laughs> no, go, tell me more? Actually, no, I'm into this now too. Chris, yeah. go ahead and tell us all about how you want to fuck your mom. I don't want to fuck my mom. <laughs> oh god. Chris, just how sexy do you find your mother on a scale I of one to calling Donna just uh-huh. are you erect or semi-erect right now thinking about your sexy mom please stop (laughs) (laughs) look motherfucker you brought this up I I, tried to go twilight with it and you decided to try and fuck your mom I didn't want to fuck my mom so can we do like an edible twilight is that a thing we can do did you say edible Uh, yes actually Daniel because you have a guy who wants to fuck his ghost mom (laughs) it's true oh god and with that I feel like that's a great place to stop our episode for the day Uh, uh, my goal of psychologically tormenting Chris is all the way through Uh, yeah so I feel like that's a good place to stop honestly but and if we wanted a real love story we could just go back to the beginning about how that bastard tricked that woman that yeah, it's a love story like you. Is You're that right. a love story? I think there's something wrong with me. The more we're talking, well, okay, okay, but you can run with that. I think it can work. So, like, that was originally the betrayal of a of a of a relationship of of a trust between those yes. two people. Yeah, and so maybe that persists as the mothers are moved in fragments from generation to generation, and the father still remains in that void. Like they still are in love with each other in some way, even though they have this rift between them. Hmm. For some reason, I also want to bring Medea into it, um, mm. just because <laughs> dismembering of some sort. No, just her murdering her children. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, 
Like, I feel like, I feel like there's also like a tragic romance in that case as well, where, you know, this woman feels so betrayed that she ends up murdering her magic user children, something like that. I mean, the mother cult turns against the father cult. So that's part of it. Well, well, to be fair, in Medea, Jason's kind of an asshole and deserves it. But yeah, well, the, also, the, you shouldn't murder Rhaenyra's children. kind of an asshole and deserves it. <laughs> so. All right, we're going so off the rails here, y'all. <laughs> I'm going to call it there. Um, uh, thank you so much for listening to World Build with us. If you ever want to submit a dope-ass world-building prompt like the one you just heard us talk about, you can always email us at worldbuildwithus at gmail.com or you can go ahead and send us a tweet at Let's World Build. And remember that if you want your world-building prompt prioritized, you can go ahead and support us on Patreon, uh, link in the description. Or if you ever just want to come and talk to us about world-building in general, you can always hang out on our Discord, link also in the description. So that'll do it for this week. Remember that we love you very much. We'll see you next week because we're going to get through this together. Mm-hmm.